you in the service industry? Bartender, server, stripper, cook? Welcome home. Welcome home. This is In The Biz. We keep the world moving. And nobody knows us like us. Like us. This show is about sharing our experiences and teaching people about the ins and outs of the service industry, helping people navigate it to make some extra cash. Along the way, we'll interview the best in the biz. Welcome to In The Biz. Now, here's your host, Tani Mujiqua. Welcome to the In The Biz podcast, where we get to meet some really cool people that have been in our industry that are just absolutely killing it. And today is no different. Before we meet our guests, though, if you're new to the channel, please comment, like, and subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an uncle, tell a sister. Matter of fact, if you've been here before and haven't told anyone, you get a second chance to finally tell someone else that you're listening to the show. Now, today we have a special guest on. Let me make sure our guests can hear you. Josh, can you hear me pretty clear? I can indeed. Awesome. Now on the show, I like to not introduce the person coming on because I am terrible in social situations at introducing myself. So I always like to ask the guests, when you're in your new social environment, how do you go about introducing yourself? Gosh, uh, it kind of depends a lot on the, on the place I'm at, right? You know, uh, but if I say, well, I'm a pastor turned bartender turned writer, that usually gets attention. Um so, so it's, you know, done a little bit of a bunch of stuff and, uh, yeah, kind of, kind, kind of depends on the crowd, you know, and that's, that's the thing about service industry. You know how it is. It's like you have, you know, being front of house, you have like matter of seconds to figure out who, who you're walking up to. Right. Absolutely. Is this guy going to want me to, uh, to be respectful? Do, do I'm going to flip him shit. And I'm like, you know, what is it? Each person is different and sometimes you get it wrong, but for the most part you, you do it for a while. It's like, yeah, you can nail it. You know, okay, this girl, uh, well, I don't really flirt that much. You know, I'm an old married dude with daughters, but I can, you know, be, be friendly and all that. Or just, you know, it's it's uh, kind, of, kind of reading the reading the table. Uh, that, I think that's one of the things I really enjoy about it. Absolutely. I'm sorry. You said pastor turned bartender turned writer? Mm-hmm. My goodness, you've lived. Yeah, uh, I've done a couple of things and throw in there a road trip around the country. Uh, it was after we closed my church. We uh, sold our house and uh, packed our daughters up in a minivan and Drove the, around the country for eight months. Eight months, so we saw forty Eight months. Saw 40 states, two provinces, and Tijuana. So, no you know, way. all the important stuff. Wow. See, I think leaving the state and seeing like three, I think I've only been to like five different states, and I think I'm adventurous, but to be able to hit 40 <laughs> in eight months, geez, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I believe in travel. I really do. And for my daughters to see that, I mean, my daughters got to learn about uh geology at Mount St. Helens. I got to learn about uh, civics in Washington, D.C., learn about civil rights at the Lorraine Motel where MLK was shot. I mean, this sort of stuff, I know my life has been transformed by, like, I, I, I've done a decent amount of travel. You know, I've been to, uh, you know, a good three continents and done this or that. And it's just, it's changed who I am. And so it's a lot of fun. And so, like, it's also fun, though. So you said you're in South Miami, uh, South Florida, like Miami area? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. So I've spent a little time there, not much. We were more... Uh, we're in West Palm Beach, is it? That, that's, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Super close yeah. by. Yeah, so West Palm Beach, uh, on our road trip, we actually uh, were there just in time to watch the uh, Seahawks lose the Super Bowl <laughs> to, uh, to that one uh, misguided pass. Oh, that handing it off to terrible uh, call Marshall play. Oh, play call, I yeah. should say. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's awesome, though, that you were uh, over here during that time. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so, so that's one of my memories of Florida. Not my only one, you know. Uh, but uh, so I've been so I've been here to your neck of the woods, and it's kind of fun to have that. You know? Absolutely. What was the least interesting place that you visited out of the forty? Because I know you probably have a bunch. Like you're already stating some of um, like things you basically see on TV and get to hear about. The fact you saw it in person yeah. is awesome. But what was like the most underwhelming place? You were like, oh, hmm, okay. You know, I don't know how much I can answer that. It, uh, I mean, Kansas was pretty dull, but also by that point in the road trip, we were just in a hurry to get through. But I'm curious about just about everything. And nice. so I, I usually can find something interesting just about everywhere. Um, but just being on the road at some points, like, again, there, there's some some dull stretches, you know, down the I-5, uh, whatever highway it is that goes uh, through Kansas. Those got a bit long. Absolutely. Those got a bit real long. Oh, but, man. Uh, Eight months. Jeez, that's really impressive. Yeah. Now, you said originally, right, you started as a pastor. Is that something you originally went to school for? I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. how that process works. Um, do you have to you know, have, like, a certain major to be able to uh, become a pastor? Every denomination, you know, in this country, everyone, you know, you can do, you know, you could, I could start a church right now. You could start a church right now and, you know, uh, just on a piece of paper and call it good. So everyone can do their own thing. But the group I was with basically I had a, a four-year degree. So studied uh, Greek and Hebrew and some stuff like that and uh, got to know, you know, the Bible, know some counseling stuff. I'm not a terribly good counselor because my idea of counseling is to tell people to stop being stupid, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and they don't. <laughs> And I don't either. So, but uh, I, I got to travel. Uh, I mean, sorry, not wrong conversation. Uh, it was it's really cool in terms of you get to interact with people, uh, the communication, helping people out. There's a lot of piece, places where it is a lot of similarities to uh, the service industry. Uh, but it also, it can it's can be a very hard and lonely job, and uh, there can be a lot of politics there, just like anywhere else. And I kind of by the end of it, I, I was. I was done with that, but I also had written a book and that was the thing that I realized this is really what I enjoy doing. So I'd written a book is actually traditionally published, which is not an easy thing to do. And I thought that uh, since I got, since that happened, I now was going to like become a New York times bestseller and all that. Yeah. Matt, not even close. What inspired it the first time um, you wanted to write? Well, yeah, the first time you wanted to write the book, what was the inspiration? You know, any book is going to start with something that means enough to you that it's worth seeing your ass down. And writing, you know, because it's a lot of work. Yeah. In this case, it's uh, it started with a title, which was the title is radically normal, and uh, kind of this this idea, and it translates well even outside the church. You know, if you just change the terminology, but you know, I, the church I grew up in, good people, um, just you know, they're really great people. But uh, like in youth group and all that, they they would give you all these talks about like you need to, uh, it's like your walk, your your faith is like this walk. You're walking on this cliff, and on off this cliff. Uh, is things like, you know, doing all the bad stuff, you know, absolutely with your girlfriend, smoking, drinking, listening to the wrong music and all that. And uh, they, they warned you against that cliff. And I was a super good kid. I mean, super good, not like hypocritically super good. Just I was genuinely a good kid. And I really avoided that cliff. It wasn't even an issue. I, I, I say as far away from that cliff as possible. That's, that's what they told me to do. Absolutely. But what no one, what no one explained to me is that there's another cliff on the other side. And that's self-righteousness. That's being judgmental. Mm. And that's, that's what I did. So I was a really good kid, but I also looked down on everyone else who wasn't. You know, like, oh man, I heard that guy slept with his girlfriend. He's not even saved. You know, uh, and I look back on that now. It's like, oh, geez. I've never heard it oh. put like that before. That it's like a second cliff where if you're not that you're too much the other side, but it's more so the danger um, that can come from yeah. you know um, not seeing, I guess, both perspectives and to have that perspective, I guess, in a way too. I've, I've just never heard it put that way before. 
Well, and something especially the interesting thing is within the the Christian perspective, we don't real. It's at the the other cliff. The self righteousness is actually more dangerous than the uh, doing all the bad stuff cliff. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, you got this whole story. We, we hear the term the prodigal son, mm-hmm. and in that whole story, uh, you have the prodigal son who goes off and wastes all his dad's money and all that, and it ends up with him having spent all of it. He's in a pig pen, just trying to eat the pig's food. You know, he knows his life is screwed up, right? Absolutely. I mean, it, like we have the people coming into our bar. It's like you know, a lot of times, like you know, people back a house who've just they're just scra- scraping together some money. I mean, I think about the kid that came in, like you know, still drunk from the night before. You know, you know, no show, no call. They shows up, you know, three hours after it's supposed to start. He's still drunk. Yeah. And he's confused when we ask for the keys back. Right? He's like, "Oh, what did I do?" You know, <laughs> Someone who's, who's doing that sort of stuff, once they're sober up, they realize this: my life isn't good. This this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Absolutely. Lo- doing all the quote unquote bad stuff uh, proves itself to be to be destructive soon enough. Uh, but in the story, there's also the prodigal son had an older brother who was doing all the right stuff. Uh, but the way the story is written, I could go into all the like as a storyteller, it was like it's really brilliant the way Jesus tells the story. Is it ends with the father saying to the older son like. So what are you going to do? Are you going to be happy that your younger brother is like come back or are you just going to stay on the outside all cold? And it's kind of so the, the way the story ends is like asking the, the, the listener or the readers like, so what are you going to do? The point is that if someone if you're living your life more or less right, you know, you think about those business people who come in, like seem to have their life together. Yeah, uh, they can be assholes. They can be like just unpleasant people. But because their life isn't falling apart because they don't have. Uh, you know, they're not drunks or whatever, they can think they have their life together. So in the same way in the church, you can have a deacon who's just a jerk, but he can think he's good because he's not doing any of the bad stuff. All that to say, uh, what I'm really trying, the point I'm trying to make, the, uh, one of my friends, uh, a Buddhist friend said, this really hits like this Buddhist middle way thing. It's like, you don't want to go to either extreme, that, uh, that joy is found in avoiding both the really bad destructive stuff but also not being a, a jerk about it and not going too far. Uh, so that, that, was kind of, that idea became really big to me. This Absolutely. idea of, you know, a lot of Christians so focused on not doing the bad stuff, they don't realize that they're being too legalistic. And so that's really what I was trying to hit. Um, so it's a message that's very in-house, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, but well, to have that like nuanced thing. perspective, because because um, growing up, I grew up in the church up until I was like a young adult, um, go like basically gotcha, yeah. like, every single day. And I think yeah. just to have your nuanced perspective, I'm sure you definitely rubbed a couple people the wrong way. Um, were you always thinking oh, yeah. like that, or is there something that you kind of learned over time? I had to. Well, there's a part of me that's very contrarian and always trying to, you know, piss people off to an extent, <laughs> and always uh, and always trying to think. Uh, uh, my dad, he grew up in the Pentecostal tradition where um, he wasn't really allowed to ask questions like, you know, how do we know God exists? How can we trust the Bible? All this. Um, so he wasn't able to do that. So he taught us to do that. So I'm, I'm a thinker. I'm a, I, I call myself a skeptical believer. Uh, I mean, I, I don't just accept something because people say it. So I've always had this to me, and my dad encouraged it, that, you know, you think through things. And so I've always had that bit, like, to, to kind of, uh, uh, here's what's really popular, is it? but is it true? Mm. And so there, there is that part of me, but then it took me a while to really see, uh, I was someone who was, as I said, always striving to be spe- extra good, and seeing myself as better than other people. And when I started to realize that it wasn't true, that's when I start to, I, you know, like it kind of caused me to question my own self. And that's kind of what led to the book. Uh, in terms of, you know, a lot of people, uh, uh, 
it's interesting, especially like talking to like young missionaries and things like that. I had remember one kid that I tried to tell him, hey, look, the main point of the Bible is actually joy. It's like I did like this whole study and like the word joy occurs in the Bible more than like uh, sin or even love or grace. All these things like joy is like the central theme in the Bible. I didn't even know and, that. Oh, I know. And we don't. And that's the thing that, that like as I say, is like Christians are known as being joyless. It's like it's so the opposite of what's meant to be, which, by the way, it's why I done right. Alcohol is a great thing. It's, it's actually a Bible verse. that says that God gives wine that gladdens the hearts of men. Um, but I like remember talking to this one kid when I was trying to say, like, you know, hey, this is actually what the Bible says. Like, the point is joy. Sometimes, you know, it's kind of like, uh, let's say, like, you're going to be an athlete. And that's what you really enjoy. You're going to have to suffer in terms of practice and all these things. But the purpose is still joy. Absolutely. And that's kind of kind of the biblical perspective as well. It's like the, it's hard work. Like, you know, choosing to stay married sometimes is a lot of work. It, it's hard. You know, I've been married 22, 23 years, and it's, it's been oh, wow. tough a lot of times. But the end result is joy. Um, and this kid just couldn't get that, that joy was something he should actually seek. Uh, he was he was like, but I, I shouldn't. I'm trying to decide whether I should go out to dinner with my friends because maybe I should be back in my room reading my Bible instead. That'd be a bit more godly. <laughs> like, dude, shut up and just go to dinner. Absolutely. Jeez, where were you when I was younger when I used to – because, it, I mean, I could see the turnoff for a lot of people, right? Because it's almost like – I don't want to say like military style, but it's almost like, don't do this, don't do this. It's kind of yeah. like, you know, what a lot of people are told. So to kind of hear it put that way, I mean, it makes sense. And it almost just makes you want to do good. You know what I mean? As opposed to do this. So you go straight to hell and it's yeah. like, oh, blah, That's, blah. gosh, if, if there's anything I get out there, uh, that message, it would be that, that um, kind of my working definition for sin, you know, we hear the term sin all the time, but that's what, Sin is that which destroys you, destroys your relationship with others, destroys your relationship with God, right? Absolutely. You know, again, we, we see it in the service industry. I mean, I remember, you know, having the people getting drunk. I, there'd be the, I was at a good bar. It is a lot of uh, junior officers, naval junior officers. So they had a lot on the line. They'd get right to that line, but they'd almost never cross it. Mm. And if they did, we'd call the CO and it was their commanding officer and it would be taken care of immediately. <laughs> But so it's a good place. It was not like this, you know, tear, you know, crying in your beer type place. Most of the people just there having fun and do just enjoying, enjoying life. And so it was really cool. But every time, once in a while, you see the people like you watch people basically starting an affair in your bar, or you watch people getting plastered, and you see, you know, their life's miserable. It's just like that stuff's not fun. No. Yeah, you might be, you might be having fun right now, but when you're still a drunk five years from now, and it was hard. There's people I loved, you know. Uh, co-workers who just i watched them destroy their life you know this other back of house guy it's not just back of house but the the one thing <laughs> he came into the bar after you know uh and he like his face was all bloody because he's so drunk he, he fell down on the on the sidewalk and was just messed up and it, it basically he finally after that he finally got into rehab which i was very glad about um I don't know. I, I'm rattling on. I don't know if I'm making No, no, sense, no. hundred percent, hundred percent. And well, let me ask you this, like as far as, um, so you have been a pastor and you said you got into bartending. Were you doing it at the same time or did you transition into bartending um, after you were a pastor? Yeah. So after, after the road trip, so the, I, we went on the road trip uh, when the, our church closed. Can, uh, kind of in that time, I realized, you know what? Being a pastor is not what I want to do anymore. 
Um, it's a good thing to do. I was glad I did it. But there's some jobs that you should not do for the money. Absolutely. You can be a bartender for the money. You can do. There's a bunch of things you can do for the money. Being a pastor, being a, a, a counselor, probably not the best motivation. Uh, being a politician, you shouldn't do that for the money, right? So I kind of realized, wait, I just I'm just looking for a jo- good job. Uh, I'm still wanting to write. I had a kind of an idea for a novel in my head. So I talked to a buddy of mine who was a bartender, and uh, he got me a barback job. And that's kind of where I figured out, oh, you know what? This this works. I, so I was writing in the morning, bartending at night, hanging out with my family when I wasn't working. And uh, it just is a good fit uh, for, for a while. Absolutely. It's kind of something I, that I've seen. Maybe you've seen it yourself. Is there basically seems to be like three types of bartenders. Oh, I got to uh, hear this one. The, well, there, there's the professional, you okay. know, you think of like, uh, uh, you know, it's like I read some of the, like uh, the craft guys, like, uh, Jeffrey Morgenthaler, I think is his name. And, you know, uh, Dale Woolrich, you know, these guys who are the professionals. Uh, and then you have the people who are on their way to something else. And then you have the people who are washed up. I mean, I'm probably, I'm, I'm, I'm grouping, making very large groups, but you know, no, that There's actually makes perfect sense. Like most bartenders I can think of right now, I could probably put them into one of those three categories. Exactly. So I was I was on my way to something else. It was a good way to make it. To, you know, I, I I made better money as a bartender than I did as a uh, as a pastor. You know, it's good at what I did. I made good tips. I got to where I was just working day shifts, um, and I I enjoyed it. It's fun, but it still wasn't what I really really wanted to do. Writing was still the main thing. Absolutely. Um, How but, long did you uh, uh, so do bartending for? Uh, five years. Oh, nice. About five years. And then uh, COVID, you know, COVID hit us Washington first. I'll tell you, it was actually kind of it really brutal. So my wife and I had a little getaway up to uh, Victoria, Canada, which is, you know, a little ferry ride up from where we live. And uh, we're on our way back home. So we land, ferry landed in Seattle. We're driving home. Uh, like her sister texts Inslee, he's, he's our governor, just close all the bars. It's a Sunday night. And I'm like, what? And so I... Looked into it. I got texted my boss when I got home. So, like, what's the deal? He said, yeah, don't come in tomorrow because we're going to be closed. That uh, that day, that Monday was the worst day of my life. It was the first time in my life that I hadn't had a job, not by choice. You know, I've taken days off. You know, I've, you know, taken time off between two jobs. But to actually just be laid off, I was miserable. And uh, it was kind of, there's stories in that. But then uh, through that time, I actually was able to write some more and uh, God lined up some amazing things where I got to ghostwrite. So what ghostwrite means is there's someone that uh, they have a great story. They have something they want to do, but they've spent like the last 20 years of their life being um, an athlete, being uh, an actor, whatever it is, being a pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I spent the last 15 years learning how to write really well. So let's work together. There's no need for you to spend 15 years learning how to write. You bring your story, you bring your experience, you bring your wisdom. I bring my writing ability. We'll work together. We'll write a book. And uh, uh, I didn't know that's so, how ghostwriting worked in like um, in writing. So it's essentially yeah. they're pitching you the ideas. If I, if I got that correctly, and you're kind of forming it, or like how did how does the dynamic work? Sure. Every situation is going to be a little bit different, but uh, you think of all the books you see by uh, you know athletes, by politicians, almost all of them were ghostwritten. There's a couple of exceptions. Uh, I know the Obamas wrote their books. But aside from that, the large majority of them. So uh, what might happen is like uh, I'll interview someone, kind of find out, okay, what's, what do you want this book to be about? What's really important to you? A lot of times it's a memoir. 
okay, let's talk about your life story. And then I start writing this stuff out. I interview them and then I, you know, write it. So I'm taking their words mm -hmm. and getting it on a page, but also in a way that really sounds like them. And then we go back and forth and we share, you know, like, okay, how's this? Well, this is pretty good, except I don't talk that way. Okay, let's fix that. Ah. Um, so I, yeah. So it's, it's really fun. And there's a huge place for it. It's it's like not everyone needs to be a great writer. It's it's a specific skill. That's funny because um, I was always like, one day I want to write a book, but I'm like, I really don't like typing. But to hear that <laughs> there's actually services like that, that actually, um, I think, opens a lot of doors in a way. Like you don't, it does. Like have to do it, it alone. Exactly. And so I've been able to get help people get stories out there that just wouldn't get out there elsewise. And so that's really fun. I mean, uh, I have one client that was this 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 gal. Well, uh, all the stories are too long, but just there's situations where I'm being able, people would not be able to write books if I hadn't worked with them because it's just not there in their wheelhouse. But the things they had to say are so good. Um, well, my current client, uh, she is a, uh, a Nigerian businesswoman and uh, she basically wants to take the she, things she learned from her dissertation and turn it into a popular level book. Ah. And so uh, about leadership. And so what I got to do, she actually flew me out to Nigeria and to Kenya to do the research for it. Which no was way. How was that? Freaking amazing. Freaking amazing. Man, if you, it's dangerous to ask me because you get, you get me talking about Africa and I'm going to be, you, that's the next 10, 15 minutes of the show. <laughs> Americans, we don't have a clue. It's an amazing place. What we see on TV, the, the, the shows, I, the, uh, all the fundraisers for uh, in the starving kids in Africa that's a part of the story, but such a tiny part of the story. And we just, we don't have a clue. So I'll make myself stop there. <laughs> I would keep on going. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, definitely, well, traveling, which you know all too well, definitely gives you a better yeah. perspective. Um, just, I, I've met a lot of people, you know, living in South Florida. Uh, I've basically mm -hmm. lived here oh, since yeah. I moved. I moved here from Africa, actually. I moved here from Zimbabwe. Oh. Okay, cool. Yeah, I moved here. Uh, but just to see... A lot of people that just never left the city before and their perspective on things, it's just, you just don't have a good, you know, well-rounded perspective unless you really get out of your circle and see what's out there. Absolutely. Wow. And Z Zimbabwe. So that's, mm -hmm. oh, I'm trying to remember my geography. That's a, it's a little south of yeah. Kenya, right? I, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah, it's right above South Africa. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, so near Botswana then, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, so there's there's a show. Whenever I talk to people about Africa, I say, so many of the movies, and you, you know how this is. So many of the movies that take place in Africa are all like you know Hotel Rwanda and all these. They're important movies, but because bad stuff's happening. Absolutely right. Imagine if every movie that uh, you watched about New York was either a gangster movie or <laughs> I mean, what, what would you think New York was like? But instead, you have all these movies like you know. Uh, uh, Harry Met Sally. I don't know why this is the first one that came to mind, but always movies just things that are happening in New York. Well, there's not many mo shows or movies that just happen in uh, Africa. One great example, and the reason why I mentioned Botswana is uh, a book series called The Number One Ladies Detective Agen Agency, and uh, the BBC did like one one season of a series from that. And it's so good because just it's life there. And uh, what, what's it called know, again? Sorry, I missed the title. The you said the. Oh, I know it's it's a long one. Number one, ladies detective agency. I don't know why I've never heard of that one before. Most people haven't. It, it's not well known, but in terms of uh, it's it's uh, detective stories. So you know, occasionally people are dying. There is some there is some stuff happening, but it's mainly just you get to experience uh, the life in Botswana and just there's just things. There's just like uh, it's just 
normal life and it's fun and you realize how different some things are. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, it's on HBO Max. You can find it. Um, and there's some other places as well, probably on, on uh, YouTube as well. But just to give people, and it has to do with that travel, that, that traveling, if you don't realize how much you're in your culture, you don't realize how much it affects you. There, uh, C.S. Lewis, he's like my favorite author of all time. Oh, yeah. he, uh, had, he used to say that uh, a, a fish does not know that it, it is wet. Mm, a fish does not know that it is one. wet. So if all you have is your culture, that's going to be your assumptions about everything. So when you get outside of it, and you start to see different things. Like even for me, going being in the bar was a different culture for me. You know, I learned so much just about you know how th things are done. Um, you know, so it's, yeah, I remember uh, when my wife and I were at uh, just grabbing you know dinner or at some bar, and she's saying, "Okay, we need to go." And so I looked at the at the server and just you know did this, and she's like, "What was that?" So I just asked for a tab. He did, yeah. And She's like, what, so what, maybe, what you... <laughs> maybe, maybe that maybe that's a West Coast thing. <laughs> this this either means I'm cutting you off uh -huh. or cut them off. A bartender, bartender, yeah, cut them off. Or it can't. It, or you can be saying to the server, "Okay, I'm done." Yeah, absolutely. That's what I would assume, at least. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, it's just it's fun. and that was, that part of it was fun for me. It's like a whole different culture. Oh yeah, almost like a different language. What would you say? Like, um, so you like for you went from pastoring, um, sorry, pastoring to bartending. Um, yeah. What skills would you say translated pretty well to help you make that transition? That I actually like people, mm. you know, that at the end of the day, I, you know, um, I'm interested in people. I care about people. And I'm curious about them. Uh, that's huge. When you have a server that or a bar, bartender that is engaging you because they're actually interested in you instead of they're trying to get a tip, you can feel it. Absolutely. And. So because I was tipped well, you know, I did, I think I did better than a lot of the other, you know, you'd have the, the young girls in there. So here I'm, you know, late forties, I'm the old dude there. Um, but there'd be the girls there with the low cut shirts and all that. And I'd make more tips than them. You know, se yeah, sex sells, but it's not the only thing that sells. But, but connecting with people, making friends that sells and it was genuine. So that, that was huge. Um, my ADHD kind of worked well, uh, just being able to engage multiple things and all that. But I would actually say that's the hugest, that's the biggest thing, being interested in people. And that also pulls into my writing that I'm, I'm curious about everything. Absolutely. You know, but there's no topic, you know, you asked me what my least in favorite, uh, the most boring part of America was. It's like, eh, I don't know. I'll find something interesting wherever I go, you know. That's awesome that you have that. You know what? Growing up, I was, it's funny you said that. I was actually talking to my friends about it. I was like, you know what? I think I might have an ADD growing up. Because <laughs> uh, like in Africa, you know, in different places in Africa, obviously, like what? ADD is really not diagnosed or ADHD or anything like that. Uh, so like looking back and, you know, taking some classes, I'm like, huh, I really had some of those symptoms there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, yeah. I always like looking back, I'm like, hmm, I probably did. I don't know if it's something yeah. you grow out of because, you know, I, d I don't know much about it, but I always found that interesting. Yeah. And it's it's not something you necessarily grow out of. Um, it's something you learn to work with. Um, the medication helps. It's actually uh, when you're not in a uh, highly structured uh, society, it's fine. You know, if you're in a hunter gathering society, ADHD is not going to be an issue because it's good that you're kind of paying attention to everything that you can't focus on anything. It's when you're more in uh, structured societies. Also, frankly, ADHD makes marriage very difficult because I literally can never give my wife my full attention. The Ritalin or Adderall helps, but it wears off. 
So I, just, I literally, I, I, as much as I want to, she'll be talking to me and I'm like, oh, I can't, oh, here's actually, this is not my wife. I remember I got pulled over on the way coming back from a shift. Yeah. I'm never pulled over except, you know, when you're working those, you know, getting off at 1 a.m., mm-hmm. they're basically sobriety checks, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I was pulled over like five or six times, never got a ticket. But on one occasion, uh, so I had taken just a little shot of uh, just a little sample beer enough to say, you can't put me back on. Is uh, I, I did a double, but there's still some left on the night. So I just had a little drink so they couldn't call me back on the floor. Because yeah. in Washington State, once you've had something to drink, you can't. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, so I had, and that, but I took a beer with me as my shifty. They let me do that, like, okay, like a, uh, you know, bottle. And so the cop pulls me over because I was speeding, you know, whatever. And he looks in the, so there's a bottle of beer sitting on my front seat. And I do smell like beer because I had two ounces of an IPA. And so he's, he says, okay, can I give you the sobriety check? Because he's also pulled over plenty of bartenders who were, you know, had more than a shift. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I just had one beer, sir. Yeah, no, that's more than one beer. So anyways, I'm I'm there. And he's, he's giving me the, the whole sobriety thing. And all I can think is. This is so boring. Oh no! Is, While he's doing the test, must pay attention. Pay attention. But this is so boring, <laughs> and, and it 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 was so hard. And so that's what the ADHD, especially coming off off of a shift where I had to be on so much, you know, on point for so long. Yeah, I I could not make my attention, or I barely barely can make my attention stay where it's supposed to, even when something as crucial as that. Absolutely. So how much? How much more so when you're when you know your wife is talking to you about you know what the kids are doing that day, right? I always tell uh, I always tell my girl that look if you can't tell me the story in 45 seconds, if I doze off at some <laughs> point, I'm so sorry. Uh, even when I manage, I'm always um, so people will tell me a long story. So this and this happened, this and this. I'm like, okay, she said, give me the short version. What do you need? Yeah, exactly. Just land your plane there. Oh, that's crazy. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and uh, uh, as far as the book. Um, like I said, I know one day I definitely want to write a book. And I know you said yeah. you were doing ghostwriting. Do you have any plans in the future of doing more so of your own work? Or are you most so are focused on the ghostwriting aspect right now? Uh, I have plenty of things I want to write. Um, right now, it's uh, ghostwriting is what pays the bills. Uh, plus, it, it's good. I enjoy it. I'm very happy to be doing it. Uh, but I still have other things I'd like to write. But again, I've. it's just very few people can make a living selling their own books. And uh, so, yeah, the, the time's coming. Uh, one of the books I'd love to do is uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, that I refer to myself as being a skept- skeptical believer. Mm-hmm. I'd love to write a book about, uh, called The Skeptical Believer. That's basically about kind of how I got where I am, why I believe, but also from taking that critical view, not just believing everything you hear. So I have all these things I'd like to do, but I just have to kind of wait. Kind of know, wait. Oh, man. No, that's super interesting. And would that be, uh, book have any connection to the original book that you wrote? Or is it kind of like its own separate? It would be, it would definitely be connected because it's still me. Mm-hmm. But uh, so C.S. Lewis had a book called Mere Christianity, which is one of his best known books. You know, The Chronicles of Narnia is his best known. But uh, Mere Christianity is one of his better known ones because it's kind of his like defense of the Christian faith. Here's why Christianity makes sense. Because again, if it doesn't make sense, I'm not interested. Absolutely. His thing was um, uh, faith is not believing something that makes no sense. Faith is hanging on to what you believe, what you studied, even when you don't feel it. Right. Mm, I see. And and he made the observation. He said, "When I was an atheist, there were days when I didn't feel like being an atheist." You know, you you. <laughs> it, it, so it's so I it kind of be like my mere Christianity, kind of my path on 
why I believe, um, you know, defend it as reasonably as I can. Uh, but at the end of the day, people have to make their own call. Absolutely. Wow, you've actually given me a lot to think about. And it, it, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I had this conversation. Because, uh, yeah, oh, I mean, man. I didn't have like a defense back then. My dad used to like preach stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. yeah, okay. But yeah, oh yeah, I'm like ready to call him after this uh, interview and be like, hey, dad, by the way, remember that conversation yeah. we had? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. But uh, awesome. before I ask you the last two questions I have for you here, yeah. I want you to let everyone know where they can find you online, um, any uh, one of your books, just, just basically where they sure. can find you everywhere. Yeah. So my website is joshkelly.inc. So it's J-O-S-H-K-E-L-L. E-Y, there's another E behind there, uh, dot ink, I-N-K. It's like the stuff you write with. It's a, it's kind of a newer uh, extension. It's kind of popular with uh, authors and tattoo artists. So, I was going to say, that's really um, cool. I don't think I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's not a lot of people, a lot of, like I'll have websites that try to enter in my email addresses. This is not a, a valid email address. <laughs> Screw you. It is. I get email there all the time. But uh, so, yeah, that's my website, joshkelly.ink. And uh, so... Yeah, there's a little information about my book there. Uh, again, as I'm transitioning more towards freelance, uh, I do work as a ghostwriter. Uh, frankly, it's very expensive work because you have to imagine someone's basically paying my entire salary for you know two to three months, right? So it's not 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 cheap work. But uh, also do ghostwriting. So a lot of people like want to write their own stuff, but just don't. The idea of writing a book to most people feels like trying to jump to the moon, right? It's like it's just impossible for me. It's like a marathon. Yeah, it's a lot of work. It's a it's a shit ton of work. But I've done enough. I just know how to do it. You just put your shoes on and you start going. And so I can coach people through that. And so that ends up being more affordable for some people. Again, it's still not necessarily cheap because, you know, I've been doing this for a little while and have some experience. But that's it's been fun to kind of to help people coach through, coach them through uh, the process of learning how to write and helping them organize their thoughts and all this other stuff. Oh, man, you definitely make the process seem a lot more easy uh, and more approachable because, like you said, yeah. it does seem like uh, jumping to the moon or even further. <laughs> well, it, and it's it's kind of this thing that uh, for a while when I was a pastor, I had to uh, get a second job. Uh, so I worked at Starbucks. That also helped prepare me for the service industry, obviously. But the my manager there taught me this thing that really helped me with my ADHD, and that is she'd say two drinks at a time. You only have to worry about the drink you're making and the drink you're going to make next, uh. because those kind. And, and as a bartender, I, I did that same sort of thing. It's you know, like when you start getting the weeds, right? You're three deep, and it just start it starts to get in your head, right? Absolutely. Like two drinks at a time. I'm mixing this drink, and then I'm going to pour this beer. Just that's all you have to think about right now. And so basically, I try to do the same thing with writers. It's like, okay, hey, I want you to work on this, and then be kind of getting ready to work on this. You know, you, you don't have to think about the other stuff. And hopefully, again, it's that having that experience, I can kind of do that for them so they can kind of chill and not get into their own head. That actually makes sense. I've never heard it put into words like that two at a time, but I think I'm actually, yeah, yeah that's actually a good idea it, it two at a time. I, I mean, you know how it is. Even if you're a pro, there's just times where it's still. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, you can't avoid it. It's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. My second to last question to you is going to be, where do you see yourself in the next five years? What's your five-year yeah. goal? You know, five years from now, I would love to be uh, just doing what I'm doing, uh, continue to go writing, but then also starting to get some of my own books in. Nice. Um, my wife and I, our daughters are 19 and 17, so you know, not much longer they're going to be out of the house. And I would love to be able to then, like, hey, let's uh, go move to Kenya. 
for for three months or nice. Botswana, just just like do some places uh, where we can just live there for a while because you know I can I can work remotely um, and do some travel, but then always come back here. I love the Northwest. I love where I live. Uh, so stuff like that would be fun, but keep on writing. Kind of one of the things about being a bartender, it's you know very quickly it's, you realize it's not a uh, it's not an old dudes. It's a, it's a young person's profession, right? The, the, those doubles are got a little hard. I, I keep up with the kids, but <laughs> you feel it a little <laughs> yeah. bit more. Yeah, and you start throwing some of those kegs around, you know, uh, you feel it. You got to be a little more careful. It's like lift with your knees, you know. Don't, you know, grab someone from the back of the house for for moving some of the big some of the things. But uh, uh, it's it's the nice thing about writing is it's I you know Lord William can do this for a very long time. You have to excuse me. It's a lot of uh, pollen and stuff in the air, so I'm probably sounding pretty. Uh, uh, oh no, no, not at all. If you, I uh, didn't even notice it. Okay, <laughs> I'm feeling it. You know, it's kind of like oh, there's stuff up there. But anyways, I'd say, yeah, that's where I hope to be. I hope to be uh, writing and writing some of my own stuff. And if I could have a couple of books out there that have done well, it'd be so much the better. But oh, I can't man. control that part. I'm so glad we recorded this interview because one day when all the books are out there, I'm going to be like, just so you know, <laughs> he was here before he published all of those big books over there. He was here. <laughs> all right. Wait, man, here's to that. Right. To that. <laughs> Last question I have for you. What advice would you give a young man or a young lady? That is looking like accomplish even half of what you've accomplished. Be patient. I, I, it, it's kind of like when I was young, I like my plan was like I was going to be the first to do this, that, and the next thing. And uh, it's taken me, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50 and I'm now just finally, finally into my career, what I really think I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I, everything I did bet- between now and then, I had to do. I had to be a pastor for, for what I'm doing. I had to be a pastor for that time. I had to bartend. I had to write a novel. I had all these things and so many disappointments. Man, I can't tell you how many times I thought the next big thing was coming and it just fell apart. Um, but I've been through that enough. It's like you know, just keep on. I know where I'm going. Take the time. So be patient, and also think about the long term. You know, uh, th- this is kind of a dad talking. So many of the things that the Bible calls sin is just basically saying, don't screw your life up, right? Don't choose the immediate fun for long-term happiness because that's what we do so often. You know, yeah, right? Yeah, the, the things that, that, that we call fun end up making us miserable later. The things that are truly fun are fun and, and bring joy forever, you know, for longer periods of time. So, uh yeah. Be patient and don't be stupid. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. I'm so glad I didn't have to give a wise word after you because that would be really tough to follow (laughs) up. (laughs) Hey, Josh, it was a pleasure to have you. And hopefully this isn't the last time we actually have you on the show because I could already tell you people got tons and tons of value by just uh, listening to half of what you had to say on the show today. Well, cool. I I really enjoyed it. It's kind of fun to talk about. And, you know, uh, it's kind of, I just love talking to people yeah, who are in the industry. I got to go to a, you know, went to Brewfest, um, you know, last year. They finally started opening things up from COVID. Oh yeah, and just uh, I just volunteered just to run ice, just so I could you know be in it at all. And then just being able to sit and, and chat with like one of the gals who was pouring for one of the breweries, it's just like oh yeah, I, these are my people. Absolutely, I love this. I love this. You know, I I I, I don't really I don't want to be doing any more doubles. I, I'm happy to have this big <laughs> But, uh, it, you know, yeah, it, these are my people. So it's really cool. I really enjoy it, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, 
No, 100%. Josh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for coming out. And everyone, don't forget to like and subscribe and check out Josh. This has been In The Biz.